Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, brought to you by Best Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys. Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, the broadcast about timely and important issues affecting the insurance industry. I'm John Zuba, editor of Best's Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys. Joining me is Brendan Noonan from our communications team. We're pleased to have with us this morning attorneys Daniel Santanello and Paul Jones from the law firm of Lux, Santanello, Perez, Petrillo, and Gold in Florida. Daniel is the firm's managing partner and is a Florida Bar Board Certified Civil Trial Specialist with 18 years of trial litigation experience in both state and federal courts. Dan is also the firm's litigation director. He co-directs the firm's trial team and is a member of DRI. Paul Jones is the firm's Orlando office managing partner and has 10 years of trial litigation experience in state and federal courts and is a member of the firm's complex trial team. He also has extensive trial experience in several areas, including wrongful death, general liability, professional liability, and insurance coverage. Dan and Paul, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Thank you for having us. Our pleasure. Today's podcast centers on a recent landmark case that they were involved in regarding vicarious liability for car rental companies in Florida. This is the first case in Florida at the federal level to address preemption of Florida's dangerous instrumentality doctrine. I'm going to turn it over to Brendan Noonan today with our first question. Dan, can you please tell us about the importance of this case? Sure, Brendan. The vicarious liability doctrine is essentially a doctrine that arose in common law and basically holds that an owner of a motor vehicle is vicariously liable for any damages or injuries caused by a driver's negligence. The problem with this doctrine throughout the United States is that each state handles it differently. Some states have eliminated it. Some states have unlimited vicarious liability. And with the millions of vehicles that we have on the roadway, leased vehicles as well as rental vehicles, we've had situations where uh, vehicles and owners of vehicles, rental car companies and long-term lessors were being exposed to millions of dollars in damages depending on where their vehicles were driven, depending on which state. When President Bush signed the Graves Amendment back in August 05, we had at the time a rental car company that we were representing that was facing a wrongful death suit for two fatalities and a serious injury that occurred on Interstate 75 in Florida. And rather than wait to be sued in the state system and go through an appeal process that would take several years, we filed as a plaintiff an action for declaratory relief and judgment asking a federal judge in Florida to find that the Graves Amendment preempted vicarious liability throughout the United States. The decision that was rendered in that case, the Garcia decision, became a landmark decision not only in Florida but for all rental car companies and leasing companies throughout the United States because it resulted in a federal judge deciding a federal case at a time when many of the states were coming out with inconsistent rulings. At the time, Florida had, there had been Florida courts, trial level, of course, that had ruled that the Graves Amendment did not apply. There were New York trial level decisions that had ruled that the Graves Amendment was unconstitutional because commerce had exceeded its powers in imposing or eliminating vicarious liability. The federal decision and what we did resulted in a federal judge deciding a federal case and pretty much setting the precedent for what has occurred now over the last several months. Paul, uh, tell us more about the Graves Amendment and and why it's significant here. Sure. Dan touched on about half the states in this country have laws on their books that hold an owner of a car responsible 
for any injuries caused by the person who happens to be driving that car, regardless of whether the owner was at fault or did anything wrong. It's just the pure vicarious liability of that owner. And in some states, as Dan mentioned, that responsibility, that liability was unlimited. So, for example, in a state like New York, where it's unlimited, if a jury returned a verdict for $100 million and the car rental company was being sued and that is the owner of the car is the, under the vicarious liability theory of, of liability, then they would be on the hook for that. So what the Graves Amendment did, Congress, by enacting the Graves Amendment, what they did is they made an exception to those particular laws for companies that rent vehicles. So now, no longer will a company that simply just rents a vehicle be liable for injuries caused by the renter just because the company owns the vehicle and did nothing wrong in causing the accident. Now, the Graves Amendment does have an exception to it, and that's for states who have particular laws on the books that impose insurance standards on the owners of vehicles and for the purpose of registering and operating that vehicle on the road. So those amounts of monies under those insurance standard statutes would still be, the car rental companies would still be on the hook for and in Florida, that's $10,000. Now, the significance is, in a case like this with the Graves Amendment, is it helps to create more of a, a national standard, if you will. And in creating, developing this, Congress actually recognized some empirical data which underscores the significance of the Graves Amendment. For example, they recognized that annually in this country, vicarious liability cases cost more than $100 million in between settlements and jury verdicts alone. And that doesn't include all the attorney's fees involved and added expenses on insurance costs. And going back to the New York example, Congress also recognized that because fleet insurance providers were pulling out of New York based on this unlimited liability, that an estimated 300 smaller car rental companies were at risk of closing their doors because they couldn't afford the premiums and they couldn't pass that on to the consumers because then they would no longer be competitive in the marketplace with these other national, larger national car rental companies. So the Graves Amendment addresses those issues on many different levels, and that's the significance. Now, Paul, Dan alluded to the firms taking an offensive approach with the case. What were the advantages of doing that? Right. Huge. <laughs> that's the advantage. What, otherwise, what we would have to do and what uh, other defendants, other car rental companies were doing throughout the state of Florida was taking the defensive posture, which would be they would move for a motion to ask the court to dismiss the case based on the Graves Amendment. These motions across Florida, there was no standard, no uniformity. Some judges were denying it, some were granting it. Those that were denying it had no relief other than wait until the case is concluded, wait until the thing goes all the way through the litigation process and there's a trial and there's a verdict, and then appeal it. What we, the advantage, of course, here was instead of waiting until, in this case that we had, instead of waiting until we have a multi-million dollar verdict based on two deaths and then have to appeal, uh, which, and then have to endure the, the appellate track, uh, we're talking about a time frame that could be upwards of four years and which could result in a completely different outcome because you have to keep in mind that once there's been a, a trial and a, and a jury verdict, appellate courts are a lot less inclined to want to undo all of that. So what we did instead was went on the offensive, removed this case to the federal court, asked the court to just rule on the applicability of the Graves Amendment, and we got to choose the court that we went to. We, got to, we wanted a federal judge ruling on, a, on this new federal law. And so 
the end result of that was, of course, we got some very persuasive authority from the federal bench for the first time in Florida, which actually assisted other state appellate courts that came after that to follow the reasoning that the court did in Garcia. And as a matter of fact, the first appellate court in Florida that considered this cited and relied on the reasoning in Garcia in finding that the Graves did indeed preempt Florida law and was constitutional. Okay, uh, Paul, are there uh, any uh, chances for any further appeals in this case? Uh, Yes, as a matter of fact, in this case and others, just the beginning of this month, February 1st, the New York Appellate Division just came out. And i got to tell you, the trial courts in New York were predominantly coming down against the Graves Amendment, finding it either didn't preempt or it was unconstitutional, and not upholding the Graves Amendment. And just recently here in a case named Graham versus Dunkley, now the appellate division, they relied on the Garcia case and its reasonings to reverse those trial court decisions and find that the grades did apply. So we're already seeing appellate ramifications from the Garcia case. Now, with regard to the Garcia case itself, it is up on appeal. We've had oral argument just last month, and so I would expect maybe in the next several months we should get a a ruling from the federal appellate court on this case. But having said that, I have to say um, this is targeted for the United States Supreme Court, I'm sure. Okay, now, Dan, can this decision and the law impact liability in other areas, for example, uh, trucking and transportation companies and their drivers? Absolutely, and that was one of the incidental benefits of our petition for declaratory relief that we filed on behalf of a car rental company. That decision resulted in an incidental benefit to leasing companies, whether they be long-term or short-term leases for passenger vehicles or for commercial vehicles. You know, you've got to understand that there are, according to a 2003 Fulbright report, there are about 5 million commercial trucks alone that are registered in the United States, of which 20% are operated pursuant to some form of a lease agreement. This decision in Garcia basically held that the Graves Amendment was constitutional, and the Graves Amendment does specifically not only eliminate vicarious liability for rental car companies, but it also eliminates vicarious liabilities for any owner who leases a motor vehicle to another person or entity. So we believe that the biggest benefactor from this decision may in fact be companies that engage in long-term leasing. If you had looked back at some of the articles and some of the media attention that was out before the Graves Amendment. For example, in 2003, there was a New York Business Journal report that found that General Motors, Ford, and Honda had actually stopped leasing cars and trucks in New York because of their unlimited vicarious liability. And if you look at some of those articles, you'll find now that the elimination of this vicarious liability will, in fact, increase and enhance competition in the states. Interestingly, Senator John McCain had introduced a similar bill back in 1999 called the uh, Motor Vehicle Rental Fairness Act of 1999, in which he specifically found, and Congress specifically found at that time, that there was a competitive barrier because of the uncertainty and non-uniformity in the states. So yes, this decision is going to reduce the exposure of long-term and short-term lessors of both trucking and transportation companies in the variety of states that impose vicarious liability. There are at least 25 states now that impose some form of vicarious liability. The three that were 
most burdensome in the industry were Maine, Rhode Island, and New York, which basically had no limit whatsoever on vicarious liability. So if a one-day renter or someone who leased a vehicle as opposed to buying it caused an accident that may have resulted in a multitude of deaths, the lessor, like a GMAC or a General Motors or a rental car company, no matter how small or how big of the company, would have unlimited liability for that accident. Dan, what other impacts does this have? The impact in the other states is really, from an appellate level, we're seeing now uh, the New York Appellate Division stepped up about two weeks ago and reversed the trial court decisions, which have, have been finding that the Graves Amendment was an unconstitutional exercise of the Commerce Clause because it went beyond controlling interstate commerce or instrumentalities of interstate commerce, and it was really just trying to eliminate state-imposed vicarious liability. But the other thing I think that we will see from this is that there will be, with more liability emphasis on the driver as opposed to the deep pocket, we're going to see more responsible driving. We're going to see better maintenance of vehicles because the Graves Amendment does not eliminate independent negligence of the owner. So if the owner does rent a vehicle or lease a vehicle that has worn tires or has a defect in its braking system, there is still liability in that regard. So there's definitely going to be an emphasis on better driving practices throughout the states, as well as better maintenance practices throughout the state and better competition. It's a good win all the way around. Okay, terrific. We appreciate that, Dan. Thanks so much, Dan and Paul, for your joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. We've just spoken with Daniel Santanello and Paul Jones from the firm of Lux, Santanello, Perez, Petrillo, and Gold in Florida. Thanks today to Brendan Noonan from our communications team and to our producer, Brian Cohen. And thank you all for joining us for the Insurance Law Podcast. To subscribe to this audio program, visit podcast.insuranceattorneysearch.com or go to online directories such as iTunes or Google or Yahoo's podcast directory. And if you have any suggestions for a future topic regarding an insurance law case or issue, please email us at lawpodcast.ambest.com. I'm John Zuba, joined by Brendan Noonan, and now this message. Best's directory of recommended insurance attorneys is used by decision makers at insurance companies responsible for selecting legal counsel and representation. The printed directory is distributed annually to insurance companies, non-insurance companies, third-party administrators, and corporate counsel around the world, and the online edition is accessible throughout the year. Your listing in Best's directory of recommended insurance attorneys is the most effective way to ensure that thousands of potential clients have access to your outstanding credentials. Here's why you should be listed in the number one insurance insurance attorney reference. Your firm's credentials will be listed in our comprehensive reference guide, which is made available to thousands of insurance professionals globally, both in print and online. AMBEST listees are recognized as the most qualified in their field to represent the unique needs of insurance companies. Key decision makers rely on the directory to take the guesswork out of their selection process. They know that only the best are listed, those firms with a proven track record of excellence who are recommended by their insurance industry clients. And remember, one low rate guarantees year long visibility for your firm. We invite you to use our web application process to apply for a listing today. With our reasonable rates and broad exposure, there's no more effective way to get the attention of the insurance industry. For more information about Best's Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys, visit www.insuranceattorneysearch.com. 